Welcome to the weekly podcast of East Point Church of God. Pastor Larry Sterling, we invite you to join us in a service soon. We're located at 379 Avenue A, East Point, Florida. Our service times are 11 a.m. and 6 p.m. on Sundays and 7 p.m. on Wednesdays. We pray that this week's message inspires you to shine the light of Christ to those around you. Matthew chapter 22 is where I want to start. Matthew 22. God's been speaking to me all morning long. And I spent a lot of time in Sunday school a little bit about what I'm going to talk about. But we're going through on Wednesday nights, starting this series on understanding living life at the center of the cross. And where I want to take this development is to develop people deeper in their walk with Christ. And in order to do that, you need to live with the fire of God. You need to live vertically, meaning that you got to be in tune with God, but you also have to live horizontally. you got to live with the love of God in you and around you and expressing that love. And so we as, as believers, we sometimes, as I said before, sometimes we, we live in the extremes. Sometimes we live vertically so much and we forget that we need to live, show the love of God. And then sometimes we, we, we are telling people we love them so much that we don't make time for God. And so both of those are a problem, and we need to live right there in the center. And this is what Jesus is talking about here in this passage. So Matthew chapter 22, verse 34. When you find it, stand with me for the reading of the Word of God. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, that they gathered together, then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him and saying, Teacher, Which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and the great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. And let me tell you, these two commandments are still applicable for us today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, God, because these commandments is what you taught us. This is how we are to live our lives, with you first, and then out of that relationship, loving those around us. So, Lord, I I pray, God, that you would help us today. Lord, I pray that your your spirit will come alongside in this room. The Lord, as we spend time listening to your voice, as we spend time loving, Lord, your presence, God, help us to take it from this room to reach, Lord, a lost and dying world. Lord, it is with great favor that you have anointed us to be your witnesses. Jesus, I thank you that you are that you are with us in this moment, in this second. And the Bible tells us very clearly how you are provided for us. I pray that this would be given to your children this hour. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. 
The Bible tells us in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, at the birth of the church, Jesus is ready. It was the birthing pangs really almost because in just a few verses later in chapter 2, we're going to see the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, which is what commonly is known as the, the birth of the church or the movement of the church. And in this, in this, these pre text things, these pre-verses up leading up to that, Jesus gives us the context of, of what is going to be taking place in here. And he says, the power that you're going to receive, the purpose of it, and he says very clearly, is to be my witnesses. To be my witnesses. Now, what does that mean? That means that we should look, talk, and act like Jesus. Without the power of God, we can't do that. Here's our major problem. Number one, if we're not even saved, there's no way you can look, talk, and act like Jesus. There's no way that you can live this way. It's impossible for you to do. The second thing that I I realized was when with Jesus, once we've received Jesus as our Savior, that we've got to learn to reorient our lives in such a way that we are walking in a way that He's first and that my actions of my life are determined by what would Jesus do in this situation. We see, you see, as we begin to take a hold of our lives, I know one of the most common questions pastors get asked is, God, what's God's will for my life? It is a question that everybody asks, especially those coming up. God, what is, what is your will for my life? What, what should I be doing? What should I be saying? How should I be living? Should I take this job? Should I, should I buy this? What is your will for my life. And let me tell you, the finding the will of God is in one breath very simple and in the next breath very difficult. Because you will never find the will of God in your flesh. The will of God is outside of you and does not live inside of you unless God is living in you. Unless the Holy Spirit is inside of your being, you can't know the will of God for your life. You've got to have your, you've got to be what we call born again. You've got to have a life-changing experience so that your spirit comes alive in Christ Jesus. The, the, the reality is, is that you, you can uh, do what Jesus did and you can act like Jesus, but unless you have the Spirit living in you, you are not a Christian. You see, this, this helps us understand why we need to have, uh, when it comes to being born again, that there's a total and complete change. And I know I'm reviewing and I know you've heard some of this before, but this is critical and this is what God is burning in me. And as I said Wednesday night, You are spirit, soul, and body. The problem is, is that we usually relate to the world through our body. We live with our flesh. We relate to the world with what we see and touch and see and taste and all these things. And the problem is, is that if we are born again and we are letting our bodies tell us how to live, you're called carnal Christian according to Scripture. That means that you are not allowing your, the Spirit of God to direct your path. You're just feeling your way through this thing. 
And so what happens is that when you are living according to your body's wants and desires and your body's needs, you may, you will excuse a whole lot of things. You will, you will think, well, my, you know, I, I feel like I want to do this, so this must be of God because God saved me, didn't he? No, that's not necessarily true. The Bible says your heart is a deceitful thing. It will take you down roads that you don't even realize if you are not First and foremost, a person of the Spirit. You will not know how to live this life. Amen. I hear the old timers saying amen. Some of you young, youngins need to hear me. This, this life is full of, of trials and struggles. We, this life is full of, of despair. This life is full of pain. And if you don't know where you have your source, you're going to be in trouble. If you don't know that you got to get to the Spirit of God, you don't know that you got to get anointed and have the blessing of God and know that when it doesn't make sense and all your friends are over here and your body's telling you to do this thing, but the Bible has told you something different and you're not feeling it, listen, it doesn't matter if you don't feel it. What matters is if it's written in the Word of God, you got to do it. It's truth whether you want to admit it or not. You know, there are a lot of times about every year I don't want to pay my taxes. Every once in a while when I don't have to owe anything, that's when I'll pay. But every time I get that bill, I tell you, I do not feel like paying it. I don't want to pay it. I'm one of those people that I don't give the government a loan. That means take as many dependents as I possibly can so that they take as much out of my check as they want. And then give me a big hunk at the end of the year. That's an interest rate for loan. Hey, if they want a loan, if they want a loan for what they're going to do, I'm going to charge them interest. Five percent. You pay me back what I gave you plus interest. So you'll get that later. Probably one person got it, Kim, the accountant back there. But we'll, everybody else, we just follow me with me, okay? So, so there are times that 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 my tax bill comes in and I owe money because I I take out as little as I possibly can make by with. And here's the reality. Whether I want to or not, I still got to pay it. Even if I pretend it's not there, I still got to pay it. Because they're going to send somebody looking for it. <laughs> they're going to send somebody out there trying to find me. I've known people that would try to live off the grid. You can survive for a little bit, but man, they find you. They're real good at that. It's called the FBI. They're good at that. They're good at finding where you are in this country. They're good at finding you. You see, my point in this is that whether you want to live by the word of God or not is not God's problem. He said it, and that settles it. And so here's the thing. Some of the things in the word are hard, really hard. Love your enemies. Oh, man. That's not my favorite verse, I'll tell you that right now. I mean, when you get up there and when you get to heaven, people are going to be talking about, you know, the top ten verses. I guarantee you loving your enemies is probably not going to be the number one. might be in there because you might be holier than me, but it's, uh, it's probably not going to be number one. What do I mean by that? Is that there are some hard pills we got to swallow. And let me tell you, in the flesh, you can't swallow them. 
When that person is doing evil against you, when that person is, is saying things behind your back, when that person is, is doing things to try to manipulate a situation, and they are your open enemy, and you know it, and they know it, and the Bible says to love them, how are you supposed to do that? I mean, come on, I want to punch them in the face. And if you don't believe so, you're not like me, I guess. You're better than I am. But you got your enemy coming at you, and the flesh rises up. Mm, I can just... Come at him. And then God comes in. Better get with me, son. Loving your enemies is a very difficult passage to, to take. The Bible tells us. He, 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 he says, if you even, you know, he, the Bible says, you know, you can't murder people. We're like, we're all good with that one. I can handle that. But when I hate somebody, it's like murder in God's eyes. That's hard. That's hard. So that means that if you've ever hated somebody in the eyes of God, you've committed murder. Same thing. Jesus has it this, this level. Can I tell you, it's not the judgment seat of Christ is not going to be a good place to be without the blood of Jesus over your body. When you stand before the Lord and he opens up the books and he looks deep into your spirit and soul and he tells you where you've gone wrong, you're going to want that your advocate, Jesus, standing there next to you saying, I know, but they've been washed and they've been cleaned and now those things are no more. They're gone from this situation. You're going to want the blood covering you. You're going to want this happening over your life. That they're far as the east is from the west. All that is what, that's your only hope. That's your only area of, of, of success. If you do not walk in the spirit, there is no hope for us. If you're not willing to live in the Spirit, if you're not willing to walk in the Spirit, you can't love your enemies like you need to love your enemies. You can't forgive people that have hurt you and, and because you hold it in your spirit. You hold it in your flesh. Why? Because you're human and it's normal. When somebody hits you, you're not going to love on them. It's normal for that. When somebody despitefully uses you, you're not going to just like send them flowers. That's not who you are. That's human. You, you want to stand there and you want to send them a, uh, you know, a bouquet of hand grenades. That's what you want to send them. But that's not God. The reality is, is that in life, we cannot let this flesh tell us how we're going to live. We yet, we let the word direct our paths. It's a light unto our feet. It tells me whether I'm feeling it or not, which is the right way to go. It tells me whether I, I want to or not, this is the path for you. It's beyond your ability to, to make an excuse for your perception. It's the will of God for you to know the word of God and to live the word of God. And the only way you can do that is to be connected to the spirit of God and by doing that you reflect Jesus Christ and you're his witness everywhere you go if you want to love somebody you that listen that doesn't mean you got to be best friends with them it just means that with Jesus you can do all things with Jesus that you can change a situation that it doesn't matter you put them in the hands of God and you don't return evil for evil you don't turn you don't look at them and say say listen you're going to get what you deserve no if you got what you deserved you'd be lost and undone and have no hope and have no way out but the same God that while you were an enemy to God came down and loved you and gave him 
himself for you and he made you a requirement and said, follow me and do what I do and it will change your life. You see, this flesh, it it tells you things. It speaks to you. It it explains things to you, but it doesn't tell you the right things. When we, I told you Wednesday night, when you let your flesh and your soul in control, what usually happens is legalism. That, yeah, you've got room for the spirit, but you feel like you can manipulate things by what you're putting on on the outside. Listen, it's not your flesh that's going to get you in the presence of God. It's whether or not you're connected to the spirit of God and connect with the truth of scripture and begin to praise him with your lips as the praise of faith comes out of your being when you sing a song like Jesus, the song that we sing about there's no other name but Jesus when you recognize there's no one even close to Jesus, when that truth of the situation goes beyond what what the, the, the person singing or the band playing, but you recognize it in your spirit and in your soul that there is a God and there's no one before him and there's no one like him and my problems are problems, but he's got an answer to all of my problems and I'm going to praise him through everything I go through whether I understand it or not amen I don't let my flesh tell me the end of the result listen if we let our flesh tell us we'd burn Franklin County down and start all over there's drug all the way around us there's problems in this place and that place but I want to tell you there is a God who has an answer for every problem and every situation and our flesh doesn't tell us the answer Jesus Christ is the answer beyond all answers amen Amen. some of y'all guys are this big I didn't really mean burn down the county, all right? Need to calm it down there. But the reality is you could look at any city in America. If you let your flesh tell you what is the solution, men in Washington, D.C., women in Washington, D.C., brilliant. They have a lot of answers. But if they're not connected to the answer, it's not going to do anything. If you, if you can have all the brilliant minds in this county formulating a way out and a way of escape, but if you're not connected to Jesus Christ, the only begotten one, if you're not connected to him, that through your faith in him, there is no other answer but him. He's your answer for how you treat your coworker. He's the answer how you treat the people on your job. He's the answer how you help and how you encourage somebody. He's the answer when you don't have anywhere else to go. He's your answer when you have sickness in your body or when you're in good health. He's the answer when you have money in your bank and you don't have money in the bank. He's the answer. He'll be the answer. He was the answer before you were born. He's the answer right now and he'll be the answer tomorrow and the day after that and the day after that. There is only one answer, and his name is Jesus Christ, and no one is beside him. And so we live in this world today of of deceitfulness because we live in an atmosphere of people being guided by their flesh. And even though there are some that call themselves Christians, they would define them, Paul would define them in 1 Corinthians as carnal. Meaning that they love Jesus, I guess, but they're not listening to Him. They're listening to their flesh. And so what Jesus is telling them, the first and the first thing in your life, Matthew 22, you've got to love the Lord your God with everything. Why? 
Because if he is not your everything, then you've given room for the devil to be something. The devil doesn't mean, want to be your everything. He just wants to be your something. He doesn't care if he's not first. He just wants a seat at the table. He doesn't care that you come to church. He doesn't care that you actively participate in, in activities in the church. What he cares about is whether or not you do it when you leave the church. Because when you walk out of here, that's what's going to be the reality of your life. Whether you do what you said you did when you did were there on Sunday. You can come here, but let me tell you, this service right here won't save you unless you take it to Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and the next days. This service, it can be a great starting point, and it can be a launching point, and it can propel you into a, a successful future, but it will not save you tomorrow. Tomorrow, you got to get up and look at yourself, and you got to crucify the flesh, and you got to say, flesh, you don't have authority over me anymore. I surrendered all that at the foot of the cross when I met a man called Jesus, and now I, my, my priority is to do the will of the Father and to listen to the voice of the Spirit, and so I find myself in prayer and I find myself getting as close to Jesus as I can possibly be and still be in the flesh here in this world. And by orienting yourself and your, your spirit, you are loving God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. You are saying that everything within inside of me, God, belongs to you. All of my innermost being belongs to you. Everything of my mind, my will belongs to you. And all, all of my, all of my, my being, Jesus, is yours. And so by loving God, you are surrendering it all to the Spirit, and you've defeated the flesh. And so when you hear the voice of God and you recognize this, then you are ready to then take this gospel out to the surrounding county. When you surrender it and you say, God, you're first, you're my everything. And then you get hit in the face on Monday morning with the Monday morning job blues and all those things. And you go, God, you're my first. You're my everything. That person is lying about you. Lord, you're my first. You're my everything. My mom was a teacher in a Christian school. Sometimes Christians can be mean. Especially ones that are goats. You'll get that later. And if you don't, read about goats and sheep in Scripture. You gotta you can lead sheep, but you gotta drive goats. Well anyway, my mom was a, several years ago, many years ago now. She she got her first teaching job as a element fourth grade elementary school teacher at a Christian school. She thought she'd died and gone to heaven. That first year she was just glorious. The second year was wonderful. I don't know how many years she taught there at that school, but I know the last year was a nightmare. Why? Because they were doing things in the school. They, it was a good school. It was a, it was a strong Christian school. And, but they were going a different direction in a lot of ways. And so 
what they had determined, the principal had determined that my mom was not measuring up. And so she couldn't do anything right. You ever had a boss like that? She couldn't do anything right. And the reality is, is that as she began to pray, God spoke to her and said, let you keep your mouth closed and let me defend you. And so what happened? She'd go to school and she'd come home crying. My dad's flesh would want to rise up, but he killed it. Kept their mouth closed and they prayed. And they prayed and they prayed. My dad ultimately got a transfer out of that community. And and so and so they were ready to they, they were planning on leaving the entire state and to move somewhere else. And my mom was saying, Listen, I, I this story isn't over, God. You said you were going to defend me. I don't believe you want me to cut the lights off and leave over the cover of darkness. God, and so they began to, they still prayed and they still seeking the Lord. And she got called before the school board, the Inquisition, so to speak. And they were drilling her about this thing and that thing. And everything that they had told, that they questioned her, God had already prompted her ahead of time what they were going to ask. So she gave the response. And every one of them began to be silent. One after the other, after the other, after the other. And finally they looked at her. And they they basically said, we see no reason to for this to be a problem. We see no reason to dismiss you. Everything's good with us. Well, That made that principle livid. That's a nice way to say it. Come to find out, God had put it in this man to come after my mom. Why? Here's what I mean by this. Because my mom was a praying woman, and she was going to pray to make certain that this this situation would be solved. It became first about her, and then it became about the school. Then all of a sudden, his real motivation started to get exposed, and and all of a sudden, he found out to be stealing money from the school, and all this started being exposed one after the other, and people that the school board that was once listening to his voice now turned and said, you've been lying to us about this particular woman. What else have you been lying to us about? And they began to look into the business of the school and realized he was a thief, one of their biggest members of their church, and he'd been stealing money from them. Big stuff, guys. Now, once it was exposed, obviously he lost his job. Then my mom resigned and said, we're moving. And they moved to another state. It was never about her job. It was God wanted that school to be there. And he wanted this problem exposed. And the only way it was going to be exposed was for him to attack my mom who would go to the Lord and keep her mouth shut and let the Holy Ghost do it. 
And she wasn't going to stir things up and she wasn't going to destroy the school. She just prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed until God showed up. And then when God showed up, then he released her and said, you've done your work. It's time to go on. And then God blessed her with a better job. Hear me today. When you put God first, he takes care of the rest. Matthew tells us that over and over. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And everything else that you have need of, it'll be added to you. But when he's first, you it may not make any sense. And it may not, you may not completely and totally understand why you're going through it, but maybe you're going through something so that oh somebody else can get the victory. Oh, you gotta get that. Maybe somebody else is looking how you're gonna respond how you're going to have faith and how you're going to hold on when it doesn't seem like you can hold on and, and you're going to you're going to turn to the Lord when and people are watching you and when ultimately when you when the answer comes somebody's going to say I watched them at the beginning I saw how they lived their life and how their enemies came at them and tried to destroy them but they loved them and they prayed for them and they let God be God and now look what the Lord has done in their life I want to bless I want to walk with a God that looks like that you walk out of there and yes maybe you've got a limp but guarantee it listen I'd walk with a limp all day long if like Jacob with all of my children come home to the glory of God there are some burdens it's alright to carry with you when you know that your children and your children's children and your grandchildren and your heritage is going to walk into that gate together that we all together are going to go into the kingdom of God I'm telling you there are some things that are worth carrying knowing what the blessing of God is going to be on the other side I count everything here as lost and I press on toward that high calling that mark of Jesus Christ that I'm headed to. Mm. Bless the Lord in this place. If God before you, who's going to be against you? If God's on your side, there's no way for the enemy to take you out. If God is around you, He's already designed your answer. He's already designed your way of escape. He's already designed your victory. And what the devil meant to destroy and to kill you, you are going to walk from there saying, had it not been for the Lord that was on my side, surely I would have died. But God showed up in the middle of my dark soul in my dark night when I didn't know what to do and I had no hope but all I did was praise Him and trust Him. God, I don't have to know the will. I just know my steps are ordered of You and the step I take tomorrow, I know You've designed it. I know You've got a plan and my will, Your will for my life is just to follow You. Where You lead me, that's where I'll go. Where you guide me that's what what I'll do when and then then you'll watch how God begins to do mighty thing you cannot be a candidate for the miraculous unless he's first unless he's your all in all thank you for listening to the weekly podcast of East Point Church of God and Pastor Larry Sterling The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. 
The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.